Hello and welcome to the Primary versus Secondary podcast. I'm Laurie, representing Team Secondary with four years experience teaching history to teenagers. And I'm Josh, with four years experience teaching early years and key stage one, I'll be representing Team Primary. The intent of today's lesson is to sit back, relax and enjoy 30 minutes of two teachers talking all things education. From recent experiences, topical debates, tips, tricks and teacher fails. I feel like I need to record this. We've either had the jingle or we haven't, depending on whether we've been organised enough to sort it out. But we thought we'd start this week with the topic of the week, which is going to be us, because you need to know about us if you're going to listen to this podcast. (laughs) And... And it's a great opportunity for us to end up debating what's 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 really better, primary or versus secondary, primary or secondary. Yeah, you can say that, but also we became teachers because we love the limelight. So <laughs> you need to know about us. <laughs> the spotlight, as it is. No, no, definitely. I, I think I think Laurie, Laurie, what got you into teaching anyway? I'm really fortunate to be honest Josh I've wanted to be a teacher since I was 16 years old before that I had a brief stint of wanting to be a farmer and then wanting to be a marine biologist so I bounced around a little bit and then landed on teaching Um, I had a wonderful teacher a history teacher at school from year nine and I'm sure we'll come on to that another time because it is in itself its own story Um, and she really woke up the passion for history for me and that's where it began I wanted to have a career in history and when you say that you want to study history at university the first thing anyone says to you is oh so you're going to be a teacher but in my case that was true because how many careers are there where you have the opportunity to talk about history for up to five hours a day to an audience who are legally not allowed to root leave your supervision <laughs> that's how I got trapped in, in your world in your historical world at that point but all for, all for, good, well, all for, for me, good stuff so for me it was all about the subject and then the love of education came later and I know that that's not the way around it goes for all teachers but for me it was subject first education later what about you because obviously being primary school you don't have a particular subject although I understand you've got a specialism so how did you get into primary school teaching my mum was, was a bit of a roundabout way but at the same time not because I ended up, I think the main reason why I ended up in primary is because my spelling is horrific and I wouldn't make it a secondary. I think I'll be judged by every single teacher. So teaching year one at the moment fits in with me quite nicely. Um, no, for, for me, I started, I, I was in and out of primary schools when I was really, really young because my mum was a head teacher of a local primary school. So I was always at the end of school days, I'd end up going back and just spending some time. And I was just infused with the teaching life. And as much as my mum wanted to drive me away from teaching, I kind of just gravitated back to it. And then I had somebody who was a massive influence on my life. And I went for a period of time when I needed I needed a lot of support and there was somebody there for me. And actually, I wanted to give back to other people like somebody gave their time to me and I knew I enjoyed being with the younger children and supporting them. And I thought that goes hand in hand. I want to give something back and help somebody in their life as well. I liked working with the younger younger years. And so primary school teaching just seemed to be a, a good fit for that. And that's why I went off from uni from there. So that so that, that for me was kind of my, my route into teaching or the reasons behind why I wanted to um, get into teaching. But I mean, what, what did you do? Did, Laurie, did you go through three years then of history 
degree and then a PGCE or did, was was there another route to how you got there? No, that's exactly what I did. I went to Exeter University. I studied down in Cornwall, which was really lovely. I very much enjoyed the chilled environment of the Penryn campus. I studied history, but I did have the opportunity to choose a module called Learning for Teaching, where I spent some time in a school in Cornwall. And that really, for me, solidified that, yes, this is the right thing I want to do. And then when it came to my final year, I was applying for PGCEs. And originally I was going to go to York to do my PGCE. Obviously York is hugely historically significant being the forming former Viking capital of England. So I thought where better, there was a highly prestigious PGCE course in York. Um, my partner at the time was going to York to do a master's in public history. So it seemed like the right thing to do. And I thought, well, if I can ever get, if I can even get a place on this course, then that's a sign that I'm supposed to do it. And lo and behold, I went up to York um, and I was offered a place there on the way back to the train station, which gobsmacked me because I think there are only about nine spaces available on this course. So immediately I accepted it and I was all prepared to go and do my PGC in York. And then I thought, well, I'll just go to the Exeter University interview so that I've got a backup um, just in case. And unfortunately for York, they totally pulled on my heartstrings because the school used in the promotional video that they showed us was my own secondary school, which oh, I wasn't way. expecting. <laughs> yeah. Way. So I fully had the emotional connection then to Exeter, but I also had a totally brilliant course leader and I was the last person to go in for interviews. So there was no pressure to leave or hurry me along. And we ended up talking for about 40 minutes about um, education and how we can encourage women to um, go on to do different things and like female education and just it was it was such I connected with the teacher so quickly that almost within that moment I made the decision that I wouldn't be going to York anymore but I would be staying in Devon where I'd grown up and I would be completing my PGC down here um, and then I was very fortunate in my uh, PGC year to get a job as a prospective NQT in a grammar school in Devon and I went to a grammar school myself so I was really keen to work in the system that had benefited me so much uh, in my formative years so that's where I've been ever since and it is only now that I am leaving that grammar school after four years as a teacher there and I'm going on to be a head of department in a different grammar school so that is very much my teaching journey. I mean, what a, journey. what a journey in four years. I've just realised for the purpose of the people listening at home, we have recorded mm. this via Zoom and we've never actually met. We've just we just met through the grapevine online. So the people who think so are actually recording this in the same room, we're not. And I didn't realise until then that you nearly ended up at York because one of the universities I applied for was York St John, which would have been bizarre if we ended up in a similar place around around that, that kind of time um but yeah my, my route I ended up I started A-levels I really I'm not a, I'm not an exam kind of person anybody who knows me as a person I'm I'm rubbish at doing exams and um I didn't do too well I left and I did childcare um, at college and I managed to top up this year and ended up I ended up um, going to lots of different universities and um, University of Winchester popped up on a YouTube channel and I thought, oh, that looks quite nice. I thought they, they've got a, they've got a campus. Uh, one of their campuses is called West Downs. 
And I thought it looked a little bit like like Friends, and I absolutely love Friends, the TV show. So I thought, I, I really want to go check us out just because it looks like Friends. And I fell in love with the place. It, it was, for those of you who don't know, I live in Norwich, and it felt like a mini Norwich um, that was down south. So it, so it just resonated with me, and that's why I wanted to be there. I spent three years studying primary education, um, we met some wonderful people, and then um, decided instead of staying down there, I want to head back home. And um, I found a little reception slash nursery job. So I so I had um, near on 40, 40, 50 students that um, in my first year, um, fair few TAs, and um, we just just supported people through the UIFS. Ended up leaving there, going going to supply for a year or so um, during during COVID, which was which was crazy. And now I'm a year one teacher, soon to be changing. Which hopefully when this podcast comes out, I will actually be able to announce that to the parents, which will end up listening to this. <laughs> well, we hope so at this point, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. I know the newsletter's going out next week. So any any parents, you, you, you'll know next week. Yeah. I mean, I think all the parents for, of my, my kids will already know because I announced it that I'd be leaving um, at the end of Easter because I knew my job advert would be coming out. So I had to have, that was a very emotional couple of days, actually. I had to have um, numerous conversations with different groups, trying to get to them as quickly as possible before news on the grapevine had already spread. Because what I didn't want was to come into a classroom to, why are you leaving? I was about to say, like, daggered on. Yeah, exactly. You're leaving. Get get the news out on my terms. Yeah. but there's so much to touch on there and those are things that we'll talk about in future episodes I'd love to know about your experience teaching during COVID I certainly had some really interesting experiences during COVID with distance learning and Zoom and all the rest of it Um, but I think that's probably a discussion for the future Um, for now what's your role in a primary school as it stands so you teach year one but do you have any other uh, positions of responsibility yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm a phonics leader. So phonics is the early reading and, um, and writing um, that goes hand in hand with that. It's, it's just the, the foundations to all the children's reading. So I put in place what schemes we're going to use, what patterns of learning we're going to follow and kind of map out from there. So I sort out all the books um, and how they're mapped and read and given out to the children at the start of each year. And I, and I monitor the teachers and what they do throughout the year to support their own class, which is, which is, which is brilliant. And the beauty of which another reason which I'm sure we'll touch on further further down the line and why I love teaching primary is that you see progression in big chunks very very quickly because that's the first time I get into school and within a within a month or so a couple of weeks you're already seeing letters words being written words being sounded out and blended and um, that's why phonics is a brilliant thing but I studied um, when I was at University of Winchester uh, my specialism was PE so so I, I'm sure I'll touch on that at some point, and um, that'll be really exciting. And I mean, what what's going to going to be your role, Laurie, with um, uh, with your head of department or head of year? Um, I'm really excited actually to be a head of department. It's been my when I thought about what I wanted to achieve with teaching, my end goal was always to be a head of department, because like I said earlier, it is all about the subject for me. I love history. So it doesn't make any sense to me at the moment to aim higher than being a head of department, because anything more senior than being a head of department starts to take you away from the classroom and more into an administrator pastoral role. So I'm really excited to have 
um, curriculum control. I am changing the schemes of work in my new department um, to reflect what I want to teach for the first time, because as much as I love the A-level that I teach now, and I have really have grown to love it, I currently teach the Russian Revolution from 1917 to 1953. It's never been my, um, modern history has never really been my passion. I've grown to really enjoy the story. I've grown to know the characters of history and grow an appreciation and fear for all of them but being able to go into a new department and choose something that I truly am very passionate about which for me will be the Tudors is really exciting. I, I think that's amazing I, I guess everybody you can really hear now the difference and why this is called the primary versus secondary you've got me sitting here talking about numbers to 100 and just forming letters and then you've got the Russian revolution going on on the other side and I think I think that's just that's why you're going to absolutely love this podcast just because we've got we've, we've, we've got so much to cover across the the whole English curriculum, the national the national curriculum, not just the English curriculum, but I mean the national curriculum, which is really, really exciting. So yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing for you as well, Laurie, having that, being able to go somewhere new and just have that that role put on you. And, and you've achieved it in four years teaching or five years teaching, which is just terrifying. brilliant. Terrifying. But, um, yeah, all, all goes well, all going well. You guys will have live updates for how I'm adapting to my new role as a manager, um, which is something I haven't had to be since I was at uni. And when I was a manager there, I was a head waitress and the responsibility was, did you clean the cutlery? Where's all the backstock? It's not exactly the same as being responsible for cohorts of people's educational qualifications that are going to um, form part of their lives. It's and that's a pressure again. Like I know we'll talk about it, but that's a pressure that was hugely felt during COVID when um, teacher assessed and centre assessed grades were being given, and that gauntlet fell fell to us as teachers to decide. Not only were we responsible for providing the tools to help them get there, which is the deal we all signed up for, we were also now responsible for actually awarding them that end result, which was was terrifying. But i funnily enough, literally today, as we record was my, the first time any of my A-level students have ever sat an exam because of COVID. The last two years, there have been no um, official A-level exams. And my first year of teaching, I did not have exam groups. So it's only now in my fourth year of teaching that a set of year 13s that I've been fully responsible for for the last two years have actually sat an exam, which does mean that my new school has hired me um, on the basis of exam results. <laughs> you, you rocked up to the interview and gone, I'm just awesome. <laughs> this is what I deserve. <laughs> we, I did take some graphs. I did genuinely take some graphs to the interview. But again, I'm sure we'll talk about that. teaching in another, in another oh, um, episode. For sure. Now, I now before starting the podcast today, I ended up getting saying to my class and believe it, like my class of five and six year olds, I said, "Look, I'm doing this podcast class. My my students all know that I, I do TikTok and various other bits and bobs in the world." And um, they, and I said, "I'm coming with this 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 lovely um, teacher called Laurie." And um, do you have any questions for Laurie? So one of their questions was, "Do you just have one class?" Now, for the listeners, you already know secondary, but for the purpose of my students. Can you just tell tell, tell me if, the, if you have one class or not? I have one year seven class. 
Um, one very lovely year seven class, but I also have one year eight class. I have three year nine classes. I have a year 10. I did have a year 11 class, but they've gone on study leave before their exams. I've got two year 12 classes and I had two year 13 classes. So by my tally, that makes it. Quick math, quick math, <laughs> 11 <laughs> classes plus a tutor group I have. So in, in total, I'm responsible for about 12 classes. If we say there's an average of 20 students in a class, which is probably a little bit more, I'm responsible for roughly 250 students um, a fortnight. So that number's a bit too big for me being in year one. <laughs> that, that, that's 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 a bit a bit different to the twenty that I have in my class at the moment. But then, but then I do see them for six and a half hours per day, all the time. So it's it's just different worlds, isn't it? Having the primary and the secondary. No hats off to you. Do I you really think they're different jobs. They're totally different jobs. The principle is Clearly. the same, but yeah. the execution is so different. I, do I be really mean? And I'm sure the sure listeners will go yes. Do I ask? Do you have a favourite year group? I do have a favourite year group. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Do, do I push you to say no? No. I'm not going to name them. No, and no. if you're, <laughs> you'll have if your year groups in there going, yes, that's me. Or I've got no. Well, if dear listener, you are in fact one of my students, and you're wondering if it's your year group, then let me just tell you this. It is. It's your year group. <laughs> if, you, if you've copped out that one. <laughs> I enjoy I different that. year groups for different reasons, yeah. but sometimes you get a group and it's not so much that that year group is flexible um, because teenagers change so quickly at the drop of a hat. Uh, that year group, it's not like I enjoy the same group every the same year every year and it, it changes like that sometimes the same year group will stay my favorite as they progress through the school um sometimes a new year group might come in or sometimes my classes might change and the dynamic of that group means that that's my new favorite year group and sometimes it changes week to week or term to term um, but any teacher any secondary school teacher who says that they love all their classes equally they're a liar <laughs> you've just called them all out they're, 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 I they're have. Through, they've gone through the day saying, "Oh, I love you guys. I love you guys. You guys are my favorite. You guys are my favorite." You just called them out. <laughs> or, We're or, not parents. We're allowed to have favorites. This, this is very true. This is very true. We are allowed. Um, I won't tell you. I, I, it's a very similar situation in primary, and, and any primary school teacher listening will know this. You, yeah, you definitely have your favorite child. Obviously, that that's yes, yeah. And anybody who doesn't, I know deep deep down you do. So. So there'll be people go, no, that's not me. You do. I know it. I know you do. Mm-hmm. I'll um, second that. I'll secondary <laughs> that. Sec- oh, yeah. From primary source to a secondary that. That doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense, but we'll roll with it. Um, okay. <laughs> one of my other questions. I can see you laughing. Mm. Um, one of my other questions that the students asked was, and I love this, what would you like to be when you're older? There you go, because obviously they've got no understanding of age, because apparently to them, I'm either 10 going on 92 or I'm, I'm 50 going on 106. So, yeah, what would you like to be when you're older? I'm of a similarly ambiguous age to many of my students. But when I'm older, I would very, very much like to have the opportunity to present some kind of history documentary. That's absolutely my um, my big dream is to 
is to have a history documentary. I don't know what that documentary is going to be on, um, although having taught the Russian Revolution for the last four years and found finding the resources criminally just under underwhelming for how good a story it is, perhaps it's time for a retelling of the Russian Revolution. Are you one of those history teachers as well, which just is able to tell such a good story? I remember my 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 history teacher, I, I don't think I ever really picked up a pen or a pencil. He just talked and talked and gave us so much information in, just through story. And it was I, I could say I could say just listen to that man all day. He just he just had such a love for teaching that he just loved sharing what he knew about the subject and going from there. Are, are you similar in that sense? I hope so, but you'd have to ask my students. So maybe I'll take that yeah. question back to them um, yeah. and they'll look at me and say, oh, why are you asking me this? I feel like for the next podcast, you, you might have to get them to make a little statement. I don't know, write something down and read it back. I'll go back to them. That's my homework for the week. That could be your reference for your next school. This is what the students said about me. We should have to do that, really. Good. Yeah, that would be good. That would, that would be really good. No, I love that. I have that. a third and final question for me from your little humans. But yeah, my little, my little humans, they, they finally asked, are you older than Mr. A, Mr. A being myself? I'm sure they worded it a lot less diplomatically than that. Oh, they were terrible, but we, we had to, we, it took us about a five minute class discussion on how to word it and be polite to, to, to elderly people, as I like to put it. <laughs> I believe I'm approximately four months older than Mr. A. Yeah, I think you are. I think you are. Mm-hmm. Maturity level, though, there's a massive difference. I'll let, I'll let the viewers or the listeners decide which one's more mature. Yeah, you can you can make up your mind on that front. I don't think I've sold myself during this podcast already. I've said that I can only can't, I can't count above 100 and I can't spell. So <laughs> I think I'm selling myself short for that answer already. Well, you wait. We've not got onto my artistic ability or my map drawing skills. So if they ever crop up, that baton is going to shift. We could have a primary versus secondary challenge, the drawing challenge. That, that would be amazing. It wouldn't do well on a podcast. I don't think listeners would like to hear us just draw for 30 minutes. Oh, brilliant for an audio format. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, teacher hacks. So we want to do a segment, guys, um, where we want to help you. And we also want to hear what, especially teachers in here or anybody who works in with children, little little humans, bigger bigger little humans and whatnot. What kind of hacks do you have which helps make your day easier? And um, I've, I've ended up picking one out for from the abyss of my teaching teaching life. And it's all based on wow walls, which, are, which I didn't realize until, until earlier that they're in secondary schools as well, that you have the individual um, child's work just up in the room and you celebrate that, that learning that's going on. So in my class, we call it the, the year one cool wall. And um, my teacher hack is to grab a folder, Cut out the bags, cut, cut it, cut it in half so you've just got the back so it saves on paper and whatnot around. Stick a little peg on top, and then you can easily take up, take work down, add stuff up. And if it's at the right level, especially in primary, if it's down low, they can do it themselves and they can feel proud that they're putting their own work on the wall. So that's my little teacher hack of the week. Yes, I have something similar. I call it the wonderful work wall, and it's got um, at the moment there are 
six different slots where people can pin up a piece of work in my classroom. Um, mine, mine are slightly higher off the ground, but to be honest, I feel like if I were to ask a child to get out of their seat to pin their own work onto the wall, they might see that as more of a punishment than a reward. So I'm quite happy to continue to put the work up. But I agree, it's a really easy way to celebrate work quickly and change displays, keep your classroom looking fresh without all the hassle of having to find the mystery staple gum that somehow always goes walkabout no matter how many of them you order and it's a really straightforward way of keeping your classroom up to date. Laurie I can imagine in your class you've got everything, everything labelled and like and, and so, so everybody knows it's yours am I wrong? My entire classroom is labelled. Fantastic I, I thought I knew I'd hit that on the, on the, on the nail on the head there. And There's I, a I, big sign that says Miss Matthews. Oh, I love that. I love that. To, to be honest, for, for me, I, I, I know where everything is because it has it has its certain place. So like I walked in today and my scissors were gone and my glue stick tray was gone. And I thought, where, where's this? Where, where am I going? I, I didn't put it in my day in the life. But I ended up having to run into other classes just to get it back. I couldn't believe it. I, I had words with the teacher. I even had year one and my name written all over it. But no, they still went in and took it. Criminal. Well, I feel your pain. Um, just criminal behaviour. I'm amazed you. I'm amazed you'd recovered by the time we came to record this. <laughs> it was a long stretch, but I had to do it for you. I appreciate <laughs> your commitment. Um, I think if I'm right, it is time for us to have some questions from the listeners. So you may have noticed that Mr. A and I earlier in the week put something on our Instagram stories. Um, asking for your questions and we're going to pick a couple of these every week to answer so if you want to submit a question and we don't have a place to do that on our Instagram stories you can always e email us because we have set up a primary versus secondary podcast email it's very simply the primary versus secondary podcast at gmail.com and you can send all of your teacher hacks you can send your questions for us and when we come on to it later you can also um, send your teacher fails in as well or any experiences that you think we'd get a kick out of we'd love to hear them but for today we have had so many come through on our instagram stories so if you don't mind i am going to make a start um and the question that i've got for you is mr a how much planning do you have to do before your day of school and that is from ethan oh well yeah oh gosh ethan as i mean as a primary school teacher you uh, my my gosh my, my week looks like this this i have five phonics sessions I have five English sessions for an hour. I have five math sessions for an hour. I also have um, one spellings session, one handwriting, one PE, one geography slash history, depends on the week, um, one music lesson, gosh, one art or design and technology lesson. And then I then we have what's called a welly day. Um, so I so before my week starts, I will have an overview of the week that goes on. And that overview, that overview is normally quite quick because I, I would have during my half terms or I, um, or a term time break, I would have planned out a success criteria. So I know what I what I would like the students to cover um, when you go into the different teaching. I don't know, into the different teaching weeks. If I need to tweak it, you do. But you 
I, it's a lot of planning for each day. You have to make sure that you've got your multiple lesson resources set up. You have to make sure that, that in that lesson, there's a story that's been told. You've, you've understood where the children have come from. So what was their prior learning? What do they need to know? Introduce that, uh, in, have a way of them experiencing something and then having a go at doing that. So it's a whole learning journey moving from there. So there's a lot of planning each week and it just changes. And sometimes you could have planned out your whole week and by Monday, Tuesday in mass, they haven't got a clue or a foggy about what you've taught them. So then you scrap the rest of the week and, and that planning becomes null and void, if that makes sense. And then you just you just create something from there on. So it really is, it, it, there's a lot that goes into being a primary school teacher. It isn't just golden time, play with Lego and um, let's watch a movie, um, which I know I know a lot of people may may think, which I do like to play, play jokes about um, and tell jokes about, but but there is a lot more to it. What about yourself? What goes into planning for, for you? So I plan uh, much more reactively, I think, because so many of my uh, courses are chronological. I think that would be very different for other secondary um, subjects, but for history, because we're telling a narrative, we're telling a story. Oftentimes I won't know what I'm gonna be teaching the following week because I won't know how far we'll have got in the week that's coming up. That's less common in key stage three where my units are a lot more defined. So it's, oh, this lesson will do Mary the first. Next lesson, we'll look at Elizabeth's problems. The lesson after that, we'll look at Elizabeth's suitors. But once you get to GCSE and the topics become um, surgery in the enlightenment period, I don't necessarily always know how far we're gonna get through that particular topic in the one lesson. So I can't plan ahead because I'm reacting to how far we get there and then. So you said that you have set amounts of lessons for each time. I just quickly worked out what I've got. So at key stage three for my school, we have three hours a fortnight of history. So that's three hours for each of my seven, eight and nine classes. For GCSE, we have five hours a fortnight for each of my year 11 um, and 10 classes. And then it's slightly different in sixth form. So at the moment, my year 12s have got four lessons with me and five lessons with the other teacher who takes their second topic for history A-level. And then I have my fifth lesson independently. So I don't physically teach them, but I set them work to do independently. So they'll have 10 lessons over the fortnight, but only nine of them are taught in person. And then for my year 13s, it's back up to five and five. So 10 in-person lessons. So it's a lot easier now than it was when I started because I've got a bank of resources that I'm really happy with, but it still can be quite flexible. And I'll come into why that is when we do our final section of our podcast, which is teacher fails, because I've <laughs> definitely got one for this week. Love that. I love that. Um, I've got a question from Abby Brown and she said for both respectively, what made you choose primary over secondary or secondary over primary? I never considered for even a second becoming a primary school teacher. It, exactly the same. <laughs> it never appealed to me. Um, they, it's, I'm sure it'll be the same for you, but when, before we, before I did my qualification um, as a, um, in my PGCE, they made us do a week in a primary school and a week in a secondary school. And objectively, the children were very sweet, but I did not enjoy my time in a primary school and I knew that I wouldn't uh, because like I said what earlier, for me, especially not all the glitter. Oh, I love it. Christmas time, fantastic everywhere. 
not at all. I don't, want, I don't still want to be pulling that glitter out of the crevices in my skin at Easter. I was no, about to say, you. middle August is still there. <laughs> not for me. Um, like I said earlier, for me, it's all about the subject and I'm very passionate about history. The downfall of primary school for me was that history is simply not a priority it is an interest but like you said earlier you have an hour of history or geography and I I am just not up for spending that little time on a subject that I love so it never occurred to me to do primary school I love that it's very similar to me really I, I, I do think it was stemmed a lot from family though and I they my, my nan was working in primary school my mum was a head teacher of a primary school my, my auntie was part of admissions for University of Northampton for on a, on a on a primary education focused course. So it was I think for me it stemmed from that. But I always joke and say I couldn't deal with the the bo, which I know your I know listeners of especially in your class, Laurie, will think, hey, what's he to judge? No, I'm 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 just joking. I'm joking when I say that. Um, but I can yeah for He's me it was always very it's yeah yeah. I just know that Lynx Africa was just the the whole kind of instead of oxygen at high at high school secondary school it was just Lynx Africa. Every room was highly flammable. Oh yeah, oh, oh it would, ridiculous! It would have gone up in flames. It's a worrying start. It's a worrying sign. What else? Well, we we're going to finish our chat today by talking about teacher fails. So yeah. this we we know as as teachers we're only human sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it very very wrong sometimes it's our fault sometimes it's circumstances out of our control so we want to create a safe space where either us or if you fancy letting us off the hook one week and sending us in a teacher fail from your perspective either something that's happened recently or something historic historic we will very happily take that but it's the first week so I feel like we should take the hit this week so Josh have you got a teacher fail Oh, I have. I have. So uh, I, I was leading an assembly. So this is in front of many different year groups. And um, the, I've clocked the head teachers rocked in with a clipboard and a, a pen at the back. And I thought, OK, I'm going to show off a little bit here. I'm going to get the whole well, my class to say a bit about what they've been learning about. And we've been learning about adjectives at that time. And um, so I said to my class, what's an adjective? And I wanted to join in with their, their response to me. And as they shouted describing words, I ended up saying doing word. So in front of the whole school, I've just now repurposed uh, the meaning of an adjective to a doing word. Um, where, and I turned to look at a head teacher. And at that point, I've just seen a look down at her pad or her clipboard and make a little note. I, I, I go bright red and um, yeah. I think I think I was redder than a tomato at that point. So that was my teacher fail of the week. My teacher fail of the week, and I have I have two. One is one is teacher fail, one is um outfit fail. So I'm gonna go with both wow. of them because the teacher fail is an oversight on my part, but I do feel like I'm kind of shifting the buck on it because as you may know, if you've looked at my TikTok, Monday, Tuesday, I was out on a school trip with my sixth formers. It was a great time. We really enjoyed it, but it meant I had to set cover before half term. Setting cover is the bane of every teacher's life because it is a fact. You have to make sure it's idiot proof and it always takes longer to chase up than it would have done if you were just there to do it in the first place. 
So I set my cover before half term. I put the textbooks on the filing cabinet and I thought everything was good to go. However, upon returning, two separate classes informed me that they were sent to the wrong place to um, collect the textbooks and therefore did not get the textbooks that I had um, specified. So all of my planning for the week for when I came back, I marched into those rooms prepared to move on with the next part of the course and I couldn't do that. So I had to think on my feet, go back, try not to show my annoyance to the poor year nines and tens who were stood at that looking at their new title in confusion. Um, all because the cover had not been properly properly executed. But that's life sometimes in school. My, and I feel like I am passing the buck slightly there, which I am because I checked the cover and I did write down the correct location of the textbooks. And my, th my first thought was that I hadn't. Um, so I will also admit to a bit of a fail on my part, which was, but this week I decided to wear a green suit into work and the jacket doesn't have sleeves. So I like to wear a long sleeve top underneath. Usually I wear a mint green top. However, I couldn't find my mint green top. So I found a beige top and put that on instead. However, I went on holiday over half term and that means that my skin is now a slightly darker shade of beige than it usually would be. And what that means is that I walked into briefing and was later informed by some of my good friends and colleagues that many people were under the impression that I was not actually wearing anything under my blazer oh and that I'd opted to come in <laughs> in a low cut <laughs> green blazer with no top and no bra on underneath it. It was only when they got closer that they realized that I had in fact dressed decently and appropriate for a job in education. Teacher standard eight right there, professionalism. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> so I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> Fantastic, I love that. I'm luckily at the fact I haven't had any wardrobe mishaps yet. I do dress up as some funky things, but I, yeah. Not yet. I love that. I love that. I think we, we've definitely um, we've definitely put ourselves in the spotlight with our teacher fails this week, which is fantastic. I think so. But we obviously this week we are still figuring things out. This is going to become a lot more of a um, ship shape operation as the weeks go by and we respond to feedback, figure out what you like figure out what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, any suggestions, pop them over on the email. Um, but we're really excited and we hope that you are too. So just a reminder, Josh, what's our email? So our email is theprimaryversussecondarypodcast at gmail.com. Definitely send some stuff over if you'd like to get in contact. But with that, it is the weekend. So we are going to take our teacher hats off and go and have a relaxing weekend hopefully in some sun but thank you if you made it this up this far thank you so much for listening see you later